We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. everyone welcome to the rotor grinders morning grind podcast i'm your host stevie tpfl it's wednesday it's may 31st it's 2023 we have seven baseball games that we're going to talk about here on today's podcast we got a seven game main slate on FanDuel, six o'clock six game main slate on DraftKings. if you want some early mlb stuff for the seven game early 1 p.m slate Dean and I will be on Grinders Live at 11.30 on Roto-Grinders YouTube page and the Grinders Live page on the Roto-Grinders website. So if you're looking for some early stuff, I figured that would be a good thing um, to check that out. It, honestly, it's more of because we're just going to cover the late slate because I am on that show. So uh, my thoughts will be there. So joined today by the commish. What's happening, Nick? Life is good, man. I appreciate you having me back on. Yeah, man, I'm back too. I've been gone, I feel like, forever. Um, I wasn't here Friday for the podcast or Monday or Tuesday. Um, thank you, everybody in chat, saying welcome back. It was a long weekend in Charlotte. It would not stop raining. Um, I got tilted many, many times, many, many times throughout that weekend in the race and 
both races truck race was really good had a really good truck race but um yeah so excited to be back as always um thank you all for hanging out with us over there on youtube if you haven't already make sure you subscribe to the rotor grinders morning grind youtube page that way you can find out when we're live hit the subscribe button turn on that notifications hit the like help us out uh, all that fun jazz housekeeping done let's talk baseball i haven't talked baseball in almost a week so i'm very excited to get back on the baseball grind and um i mean this is a fun slate to do it on so let's get started we got snell and garrett facing off against each other padres marlins eight and a half total in this game uh the Padres, a 132 favorite here. Uh, any interest in Blake Snell, Fanduel only? No, mo- mostly just because I don't know. The Marlins are about league average. They're 15th again in uh, strikeout percentage in the month of May against left-handed pitching. Blake Snell, not typically a safe bet to get deep into games. It's gotten through six innings a few times this season, but uh, most often getting pulled after five or earlier. For me, there's just there's not enough swing and miss potential to to take a a leap of faith on Blake Snell here. The Marlins have been moderately competent in these situations, so for me, it's a pass, especially at the price tag at at nine k. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna have some really good pitching options on this slate and on Fanduel. Um, I don't want to say you can't take shots on Snell because he is Blake Snell. He's, I mean, a guy that can get you a big game, or he's a guy that can go on just struggle um so if you're playing tournaments maybe you take some shots on him he's not my favorite um i'm definitely not playing garrett at 8600 on dk like san diego they're a team that has been all over the place against left-handed pitching this season but we know the talent that this lineup lineup has just in general um i mean this game is in miami which makes me a little like i said makes me like snell a little bit um for large field tournaments but garrett I think he's going to be solid. He's a guy that his XFIP is low. His walk rate's low. The strikeout rate's just decent. Um, I really think that like he's going to need to continue to develop the cutter. It's getting smashed, and he really needs to develop the cutter to get right-handed hitters out more. Um, I, I think this lineup's too good. I'm out on Garrett today. I'm not as down on Garrett. I, I think the biggest thing with him is it's he's pretty hit or miss whether or not we're going to see him pound the strike zone. You can see uh, his last four starts, first pitch strike percentage, 58%, 70%, 90%, and then 36%. Uh, I mean, he's, he's a guy like anyone else in Major League Baseball. You're, you're better off working ahead than you are behind in the count. He's got some upside. You look at his last four starts, I know not against the best competition in the world, but 29% K rate, uh, 1.06 walk. Uh, I, I think there's some, there's some upside here. I think I'd rather have Braxton Garrett at 8,600 than – then Snell at nine, but maybe that's a, a personal bias against Blake Snell. He's not my type of pitcher. Yeah, I mean, the matchup, I, I just think, like, when you're looking at a Miami lineup, you're much more confident about uh, a pitcher against Miami lineup than you are confident against going up against the San Diego lineup. And I think, like, realistically, at the end of the day, both pitchers have 40-plus upside. Um, do I end up on either pitcher on Fandle? Probably not. I mean, that's just being honest. So, um. Looking at San Diego bats against Garrett, I mean, obviously Tatis just continues to be fantastic against lefties. Um, I think he's fantastic. So if you want to take some shots on him, Xander Bogart's numbers are down against left-handed pitching this season. So I, I really like Tatis for sure. Like not 
second guessing that i think a guy like him is really interesting he's good against left-handers he doesn't strike out at a very high clip um so i don't mind getting some exposure to him and then on Fanduel, being able to play two first basemen, I don't hate taking a shot here on Brandon Dixon. It's a small sample size, but he does have some power against left-handed pitching. He's 2,200, so like if you are wanting to save some money here, um, he has been hitting the ball really well recently. I know he had a really good series against Washington and New York, so if you want to take some shots on Brandon Dixon cheap, I don't mind it. Probably not full stack in San Diego. They'd be more of a one-off or a mini stack with like two people over on Fanduel for me. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you on Tatis. I think it's the obvious choice. OPS over 1,000 against left-handed pitching. Uh, wouldn't talk you off of Kim either. I think if, you, if you're if you looking for a Miami bat in this one, I think Brian De La Cruz, 2,800, makes a little bit of sense. He's he's a guy that I like a lot. I think he's, he made some mechanical adjustments second half of last season that he's been a little inconsistent with so far in 2023. But 784 OPS against left-handed pitching, solid line drive rate. I think I think this is a guy at that price tag has a decent amount of upside. Let's go to the Miami side. I mean, honestly, they're not the worst team in baseball against left-handed pitching. If we look at their overall season numbers, they're fifth in WRC plus, decent strikeout rate. They just don't have a ton of power. And I mean, this game is in Miami. It'd be interesting to see if they open the ballpark here with it being a 640 game. Um, I mean, afternoon showers are always a concern. It is getting hotter in Florida. We're running out of like days where you can actually you know play with the roof open um listen i I think solaire is one of the top hitters on the slate ballpark doesn't matter this guy 630 iso against left-handed pitching this season 60 percent fly balls and 47 percent hard hits so solaire top option for me on miami he's 3800 it's not hard to fit a 3800 bat in um i mean do you have any any other miami bat that you like here I'm assuming you're on Solaire as well. Yeah, I I mean, OPS at almost 1,500, ISO over 600. And he honestly doesn't strike out a lot against left-handed pitching, or at least he hasn't so far this season. So that's definitely an improvement for him. I think you're right, especially at the price tag. Um, I think him, I mean, Solaire, I think I think Brian De La Cruz, those are probably my two guys on the Miami side of things. But I, I'm with you on Solaire. I mean, a ba- guy hits the baseball that far, it doesn't matter if he's playing at Coors or playing at Lone Depot. The, the ball's going to get over the left field wall if he gets a hold of it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, outside of Soler, it's just tough to play anybody else in Miami um, for me. I mean, Birdie's at 2600 He's cheap. I assume, like, maybe Jonathan Davis cracks the lineup at 2400 You can potentially take a shot on him, um, but... I mean, I'm not going out of my way here. I, I really think that Soler is the option against Snell that I want to play. All right, let's get on to this. Is, this will be the start of like the main slate on DraftKings. So we'll be able to talk pricing on both sites, uh, not just FanDuel. So we'll start here with Milwaukee at Toronto. 10 total in this game. The <laughs> Blue Jays, a minus 200 favorite. Julio Tehran is back in our lives. He actually pitched decent last time out. We'll talk about him in just a second. Alec Manoa on the other side of this game. Uh, we'll start with Tehran. I, I stacked against Tehran every which way that I could. His last start, it did not work out. Um, he pitched fantastic for Julio Tehran standards. I just, I'm not for one second believing that Julio Tehran is like, 
had this big resurgence and he's going to come out and he's going to dominate games. Um, am I missing something here or do you think that's how you're approaching it as well? No, I feel the same way. I think psychologically it's always a little interesting when you look at a guy's ERA or his, or his FIP and things like that. It looks pretty sterling after one start or a handful of starts, but the larger body of work from Tehran is, is just not super appealing. If you dive into like, is there what dramatic change in pit, pitch mix or something that could drive a career resurgence for Tehran against left-handed batters? Uh, a lot more fastball usage, usage, way less sinker usage. Like intuitively that makes a lot more sense as a pitching coach. Uh, it's more of the changeup than he's featured in the past, but man, it, it, the, the velo's not great. He, he's, he's a guy that he just has not had great command in recent years. And you look at like 2020, the last year that we have stat cast where he met stat cast criteria. I mean, this guy was as blue as a, the North pole. I mean, first percentile and XCRA X batting average, X slugging barrel percentage, K percentage, uh, whiff percentage, walk percentage was 28th percentile. Like it just, it, that, that doesn't change overnight for me. So I think Julio Tehran's got to put together another three, four, five starts for me before I'm really going to start taking this seriously. I, I mean, I just, there, there's better options. And we've seen time and time again that, that Julio Tehran is the ultimate fade. So I'm still of that mindset until proven otherwise. I'll tip my cap if I get burned again. I mean, that's kind of how I feel. I will say one thing um, he did, like you mentioned, throw a sinker a lot. The Giants are terrible against sinkers. Um, just something to kind of, put in the back of your head um, and remember when we're thinking about the giants and maybe facing a guy that's going to use a sinker a lot. I'll say this, right? Who Tehran, He had a strikeout per nine, 25% K rate in that game. He still only had an 8% swinging strike rate. There is a lot of regression to that number. Um, they just didn't hit him hard. Like he is his exit velocity in that game was like 89. Like that's really low for, what he's had here over the last like six, seven years of his career. So um, I'm not buying it. And if he burns me, like you said, I'm just going to own it and move on to the next slate. I'll probably stack against him again. Um, I just don't believe in it. Toronto is a fantastic offense. I think this is a spot where we're not going to worry about like them hitting him hard. Um, I think it's just going to happen. And honestly, I, you know, a little concerned because Chapman and Whit Merrifield and these guys struggle a little bit with like sinkers, but Vlad hits them hard. Bichette hits them hard. Brandon Belt hits them hard. Springer hits them hard. Um, so I'm not too concerned. That I'm definitely stacking against Toronto today. Alec Manoa on the other side of this game, he's 6,900. He's been all over the place. He can't throw strikes. His command is just, it's terrible. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, that's the easiest way to put it. He just cannot throw strikes. His command, he's really struggling. Like, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if it's the pitch clock. I don't know if it's something mechanic, but 6.5 XFIP, 15% walks with 18% Ks. I can't play him against anybody right now until he kind of gets this figured out. No arguments for me. I, I wouldn't play Manoa last year in any situation either. I, I just never really believed in this guy's stuff. I think when you're good against half of the platoon split and you're worse than league average, which he has been against left-handed batters the last couple of seasons. Uh, it's, I mean, I mean, you're, you're sort of walking a tightrope and this season we've seen, like you, you mentioned that the command is taking a little bit of a hit. I'm with you. I don't know if it's a, a pitch clock thing. I don't know if it's just, you know, guys getting more and more tape on him and just making life more difficult. Now he's in his own head and he's more scared to go into the strike zone, but the stuff is still decent. It's just, he reminds me a little bit of a guy like Jack Flaherty, like some of these guys who come up, they're heralded, 
top prospects or guys who burst on the scene and they have a lot of success and no one's really challenged them or made them refine some of the, the vulnerabilities in their game. And now opposing hitters are, are punishing him pretty much every time he goes out there. I don't think this is going to change anytime soon. Uh, you Again, like you look at the first pitch strike percentage, like this is the number one thing that I look at when evaluating pitchers. 54% on the season is just atrocious. Last three games, 50%, 43%, 39%. Like it's just not going to get it done. That number needs to be far closer to 60, preferably on the, the higher side of 60. So I think as long as that happens, righties, lefties, everyone's just going to keep having a field day with this guy. All right, let's talk bats. Um, I don't typically stack the Brewers, but when you have a guy that is struggling with command like Manoa is, I mean, we look at his last four starts and he's walked at least four guys in three of those four starts. Um, I, I mean, this is the type of guy you want to stack against. When you're walking guys at that high a clip and the command is struggling, you leave pitches out over the plate. So I don't think it's the like statistically like the best stack you're going to get today. But I think you have to have some interest here in, I mean, a potential full game stack. I like Milwaukee alone. Um, I wish Adamus wasn't hurt because I would absolutely love him in this spot. Um, it's concussion. So I don't know when he is like realistically allowed to come back, um, but I think it's Saturday um, if I remember reading it correctly. But yeah, I mean, I love this spot for Milwaukee. Again, I don't, I mean, it's not going to be pretty. You're not going to love clicking on some of these names, uh, but I, I think this is a fantastic spot for them today. I'm with you. I, I think, again, it's just it's it's full send against Manoa at this point. I think I think right now, truthfully speaking, if, if you send Alec Manoa to AAA or AA, I think the guy would struggle. I think he's just out of whack. His, his approach, like he's been a guy who's had decent stuff, and now that guys are catching on to the stuff a little bit and he's lost – a little bit out of the hand or guys are picking up pitches a little bit better. He's just never had to be a high IQ guy on the mound. And now he's, he's being exposed in that sense. So I'm with you. Like, I, I think anybody that you want to take with Milwaukee here, I think, especially if you're someone who's doing multiple lineups or entering multiple tournaments, stuff like that. I think, I think it's definitely worth a send, uh, sending a few Milwaukee guys here. Yeah, I mean, Tellus would be my favorite. I don't even hate Yelich in this spot. Um, I know he struggled a little bit, but this is a fly ball guy. I always like playing Yelich against fly ball guys. So Yelich and Tellus at the top. Contreras, obviously a catcher. Uh, my boy Owen Miller keeps doing his thing. Uh, I think he's someone you can definitely take some shots on here at 3,100. And then, like I said, the rest of the lineup with like Winker being out, Adamas being out, Urias being out. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, like, this isn't going to be the greatest lineup in the world. So it's definitely going to offer some value. I think um, even Mitchell's out. So we'll have to see what the lineup looks like. We're going to get some value. Um, so it's not going to be hard to pay up for Yelich and Tellus. And honestly, they're not even that expensive. But um, this is one of those games I might just full on game stack. I know it has a 10 total. And I mean, I think people will be on it in general because of the total. But I mean, Toronto looks fantastic too. So. This might be one of those games I get like four four like type builds with game stacks because I just think there's going to be a lot of runs scored. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I, I don't know if Kiermaier is going to be in the lineup tomorrow, but you look at him at 2,900. I think that's an appealing spot as well. Whether whether you're going to stack Toronto, or you're going to stack anyone from this game, or you're just looking for an extra outfielder. He's he's been surprisingly pretty good uh, this season. 947 OPS against right-handed pitching. He's he's shown some decent pop as well. You'd imagine that. We're going to see some regression to the mean at some point, but 2,900, you know, I mean, who, who am I going to argue with an OPS just, just south of 1,000 
at this point in the season. Love Vlad in this spot. Um, he's the guy that I like for a home run today. He is just absolutely smoked sinkers um, here over the last few years. So really like him. And then, I mean, if Brandon Bell, I know he's dealing with like a stomach issue, but if he's in the lineup, he hits sinkers and sliders really well. That's what Tehran's going to rely on a lot here, almost 70% of the time. So um, like Brandon Belt as a cheap option, uh, the only problem is you can't play Vlad and Belt. Um, so on FanDuel, you can. DK, you can't. Uh, I guess, I mean, yeah, full stack. Uh, this is definitely a team I'm targeting. Uh, again, like these lineups, there's a lot of people out on both sides. A lot of people banged up on both sides of this game. So it's not going to be the sexiest lineups, which honestly might potentially lower ownership a little bit um, in a game that should have a ton of runs scored. Yeah, someone's going to hit. I mean, you insert major league hitters against against this type of pitching. I just feel like you're going to get runs. And if it ends up being cheaper for you, then then great. You get some cheaper names in there, and you can build out uh, with some of the stars. Cincinnati at Boston facing my Red Sox. We got a 10.5 total in this game. There's three games today with totals over 10 um, on this slate. So a lot of runs projected here. We got Red Sox favored by 174. Paxton and Weaver facing off against each other. Luke Weaver, um, local kid to me, and um, pitching against my my Sox here. Any interest in Luke Weaver against Red Sox? No, I really like this kid coming up, but I just he just doesn't have a starter mold for me. I think it's reflected every single year that teams have tried to use him in the starting rotation. Uh, not a great matchup for him here. I. Enters play with the 545 ERA, a 529 FIP. The XERA is only a little bit better than that. Uh, too much traffic on the bases for me. I just think there's a lot of ways that things could go south for Weaver in this spot. So I think even at a relatively modest price point, I just I, I just don't see any reason to pull the trigger here, especially with Boston being a relatively high-contact team. I will say this about Luke Weaver. You don't want to be a flyball pitcher in Fenway. I mean, at the end of the day, that's just not what you want to be, and he's a fly ball guy. So I'm going to pass on Weaver. Uh, there are a couple pitchers that I like today. We'll get to them eventually. Um, it's one of those weird days where there's a lot of hitting and very little pitching. Paxton on the other side of this game, I mean, 8,500, had two decent starts and then really struggled last time out um, against the Angels. Yeah. Gave up a couple home runs. Paxton's going to give up home runs. I mean, there's no question about it. He's a fly ball guy that gives up a lot of hard contact. My concern is there's not a ton of strikeouts in this Cincinnati lineup. Um, but again, when we're looking at a day with limiting pitching options, um, is this a day that we take shots on Paxton? No, not for me. You look at since May 1st, uh, the Cincinnati Reds against left-handed pitching. They're 6th in OPS. And... Like you mentioned, 13th and K percentage against left-handed pitching since May 1st. So for me, there's just not a lot of upside with Paxton. And, you know, we, we can go, go over this. They're probably a different video, but, like, go over the splits of pitchers getting ahead in the count versus falling behind in the count. And even though Paxton has had some glimmer of some glimmers of, of hope here, you can see first pitch strike percentage just north of 50%. You mentioned swinging strike percentage on, uh, I believe it was Tehran, a couple of games ago we were talking. And, you look at Paxton, 10.3%, 9.3%, 8.5%. I just, I don't think he gets the swings and misses tomorrow to to make him relevant here, especially at the price point, 9,500 on on FanDuel. And I think there's a, a legitimate shot that Cincinnati can put some runs up on the board against him. So I just, I, I don't know if there's a ton of upside here, but I think there's definitely a lot of downside. 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, though, when we're looking at this slate, Kirby has a tough matchup against the Yankees. We'll talk about that. Um, I think Hunter Brown's going to be the chalky SP1 type play today. Um, I mean, no one's really going to argue that. Nola has a tough matchup. Um, There's just no, like, standout great pitching on this slate. So, like, if I'm just targeting some strikeouts, Paxton's a guy that can go out and get five to eight strikeouts, score 20 points. I think 20 is actually not terrible on this slate. So that's why I was, like, thinking of him just in general. But, again, I, I don't think there, I don't think there's home run pitchers today. I mean, Hunter Brown is great, and he's very talented, but, like, coming off of two fantastic starts against Oakland. Um, so, I mean, that's something that we have to keep in mind. Not saying Minnesota is much better right now than <laughs> Oakland. Um, but Minnesota is still a top – probably top 10 team overall this season. So, we'll talk about it here in a few games. But, yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. Let's talk some bats. Um Cincinnati bats. Who do you like here against Paxton? Um, my mind jumped right away to Jonathan India, but I, I didn't see the price tag. So it makes me a little bit uh, less bullish on him. I think probably hunting for some cheap bats with Cincinnati, I think, I think makes the most sense. I'm pulling up some of the splits here. We can see, I mean, Senzel, I, I don't know if he's going to be in the lineup, but we can see OPS over a thousand against left-handed pitching this season. Kevin Newman, Spencer Steer, like, there's some decent bats in here that I think you'd be able to get uh, at a decent price. It looks like Steers at 3,200 probably would stand out to me. 901 OPS, 250 ISO against left-handed pitching this year. Uh, relatively decent contact hitter as well. K percentage below 20% against Southpaw. So I think if I'm looking for one guy from Cincinnati, it's probably Steer. Matt McLean at shortstop, 3,700. Um I mean, really, just ever since he got called up, has just been hitting. Um, offers some stolen base upside as well. So, really like McLean. He's one of the reasons that like Cincinnati's actually been pretty decent here recently. Senzel is banged up. If he is back in the lineup, I think you can make a little three-man stack here. Um, it was like knee soreness, so it could just be a thing where um, he's back in, he's good to go. So, don't mind it. Um, I mean, there's some cheap option here for Cincinnati in Boston, and we know Paxton's going to give up one or two home runs, if not more. Uh, he's not going to have a clean game. You're really just – like I was talking with Paxton, is you're really just trying to strike, you know, get some strikeouts here. But he is, he's not going to have a clean start. So, um, McLean, Steer, and then, like, if Senzel's back, I don't have um, any issues playing – or, it, like, any objections playing him. Uh, Boston side of this game, I'm with you on Luke Weaver. I just don't know if he's, a, like, a, a starting pitcher. He might be a bullpen guy. Um, that you know can go out and throw one or two full power innings and then just kind of sit down for the rest of the night. We'll see what happens with his career. But flyball guy, um, so obviously interest in Devers right off the bat. Yoshida, a guy that hits the ball on the ground a lot, um, so really like the spot for him. What do you like here for the Red Sox? Yoshida's my favorite. I, I think it's just it's, it's my bias a little bit coming through. Of just like I, I really like guys who have a very patient approach at the plate, and I think when you're facing subpar pitching – Elite hitters are going to wait for the pitcher to make a mistake. They don't necessarily need to force their hand early in the count. So I think Yoshida's a great option. Devers, um, I'm not the biggest fan of at, at the price tag, but like I'm not going to talk you off of Rafi Devers uh, for, for the reasons that you mentioned. So I think Yoshida's number one. Devers makes sense. Uh, I think uh, I could get I could I could do Verdugo too uh, at, at the price tag. So. 3,300 for him. I, I could get behind those three. 
Yeah, I mean, Verdugo, another guy, hits the ball on the ground a lot. So, really, I mean, benefits from this matchup, um, fly ball guy. So, I mean, really, the Red Sox, they're not a team that hit a lot of um, home runs because they hit the ball on the ground a lot. So, they're all really going to benefit here uh, from a matchup against a fly ball guy in Fenway. Yeah. So. Well, and, and Verdugo, too, like, you, yes, he hits the ball on the ground a lot, but against a pitcher that is going to give up some decent hard contact, Verdugo also has a ton of line drive potential, which at Fenway could be doubles, it could be triples, it could be some RBIs, stuff like that. So I think Verdugo at 3,300, Yoshida at 3,600, probably my two favorites. And then Devers, if you want to get Devers in the lineup for the home run potential, then absolutely. Like, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to talk you off of that. Philadelphia at New York facing the Mets. Nine total in this game. Philly's a 120 favorite. We got Nola going up against Carrasco. Aaron Nola, 9,100 here on DraftKings. I mean, one of the most interesting, like we've had some pitchers this year where it's just like, what is going on? Um, Corbin Burns comes to mind off the top of my head. And Nola's one of those guys. This guy, an elite pitcher for years, and he's just struggling. Um, he just can't keep the ball in the ballpark um granted he's faced some tough offenses he's been in some tough ballparks here recently but i I mean great ballpark upgrade here going to new york facing a mets team that i mean they're still a top 10 team in baseball against right-handed pitching they are a team that has a high wrc plus they don't strike out they put the ball in play I, i think today we have to take shots on aaron nola uh even in this tough matchup it's more of i mean He's a guy that is going to get 95-plus pitches if he's pitching well. And, I mean, how many other guys are going to do that today? I mean, you got no arguments from me. You look at Aaron Nola. The one thing you do know about him, like you said, he's going to he's gonna get deep into the game. He's gone at least six innings in, in every start dating back to April 16th. The, the, the start that snapped that streak on April 11th, he went five and two-thirds. So, He's going to have every opportunity to get deep in the game, which of course means for, for counting stats, he's going to have more opportunities for strikeouts. So even if the, the strikeout percentage is low for the game, just the, the fact that he's going to face 25 to, to 30 batters here, I think just gives him a decent amount of upside. And the Mets, I don't disagree with you, but like against right-handed pitching, they've just been kind of met. You know, they're 11th in OPS against right-handed pitching during the month of May. They're they're 15th in, in ISO. So like if Aaron Nola has a decent amount of, luck on, on balls in play i think there's a real opportunity that you see him get into the seventh or eighth inning in this spot uh he his release point was off a little bit in the season he's still not getting ahead in the count the way he did last year but we've seen it start to come around a little bit the last two starts 72 percent and 71 percent first first pitch strike percentage i know atlanta got to him a little bit in that game but i think we're starting to see nola turn a corner a little bit i think the fact that he's he's cheaper than Hunter Brown here, and I think I'd much rather have Aaron Aaron Nola in this spot than Hunter Brown. So I, I'd be willing to to roll the dice on him. Yeah, I mean, I think my main lineup probably is going to be Brown Nola, but I mean, a lot can change from now till then. But uh, Carlos Carrasco on the other side of this game, I mean, just not <laughs> Carlos Carrasco of five years ago. I think is the the best way to put it. I mean, this guy. Still, he could go out and throw quality starts, um, but just not a high upside guy. His strikeout rate's around 13% on the season. Walk rate's around 10.5. 6.1xFIP. Um, I mean, just can't get guys out. And, I mean, that's not the guy you want facing a Philly lineup that has a very top-heavy lineup. 
I agree. Carrasco last season, it felt like he was teetering on the point where it's like, okay, man, like t- time to hang it up. He he was pretty damn good against weak opponents, but he got lit up against some of the better teams on his schedule. The Phillies, I don't know if they qualify as one of the better teams on the schedule, but like you said, they at, at the top of the order, they have the ability to do just as much damage as anyone else. So I think that definitely presents a lot of concerns. Um, I think at 7,500, like, if you just want to pray for some good bad at ball luck, maybe, but the strikeout potential really isn't there. And I mean, Philly's starting to have some better at bats. I know the power hasn't come around as a whole lineup, but the OPS has been decent. They're working the count a little bit more uh, as a unit. They're having better at bats, so it's it's tough. But I do think if you're like if you're taking a stab on one guy down 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 ballot or you know with, with a cheaper price tag here. I could do some mental gymnastics and talk myself into some cookie in this spot. I mean, I wish you the best. <laughs> um, I like Philly here. And, and, like, this is just a completely different lineup with Harper back. You know, it offers lineup protection to guys like Schwarber and Castellanos and Turner where, you know, maybe maybe you could pitch around one of those guys if you get an out or two to start the game sometimes. So, uh, Harper being back in the lineup is just huge. And honestly, I love this spot for Philly. I think this is a spot where if this game was in Philadelphia, they'd be my top stack on the slate. Um, the fact that they're in City Field worries me a little bit because of the ballpark. But, I mean, Schwarber and Harper can hit it out of anywhere. Um, so I definitely don't mind getting some exposure here. Probably end up with them more of like a secondary-type stack team just because of pricing and you know how pitching is going to play out today but I, I definitely have interest in this team um just overall yeah i don't i don't have any very logical reasons to to talk you off of it i mean if you're, if you're taking a, a stab on cookie i think you're you're hoping that he's going to replicate uh the approach that he had in his last start against the cubs got ahead in the count a lot um but he also had some good bad bad ball luck in that game as well um I don't think it's going to happen. I, I I don't think I wouldn't bet on it, but like, if you need, like if you, if you end up filling up your lineup with too many hitters, you just, you don't have enough dollars left over. I, like if you're, if you're needing a cheap pitcher, I think Carrasco would be my preference over guys like, like Tehran, uh, Siebel, Clark Schmidt. I, I would, I would take a stab on cookie before those other guys. Yeah. I mean, um, I, again, I have, I have interest, man. Uh, we'll see how it plays out, but definitely interest in Philadelphia. The Mets side of this game, I mean, I, I like Nola. Um, Pete Alonzo just keeps hitting everything out of the ballpark, up to 20 home runs on the season. Good to see him. Like, I wouldn't even necessarily call it a bounce back, but uh, he did struggle at times last year. It's good to see him at 20 home runs by the end of May. Um, I mean, as a Mets organization, you have to be really pumped about seeing Alonzo hitting the ball the way that he is. Lindor? Another guy that's been hitting the ball well. Um, his advanced stats are way better than like his surface stats, so that's always a good thing because there's always some positive regression there. Not a team I'd stack if you want a one-off like Alonzo. I'm not going to say no. Um, he's hitting everything out of the ballpark. Nola is the guy that gives up some home runs. I just, I mean, the pricing is tough. Yeah, I mean, you're paying the New York tax, I feel like, and just, I mean, some of these brand names like Alonzo, and and Lindor just always going to be high no matter how they're seeing the ball at any given moment. But I agree with you, man. I, like Pete Alonso, I, I think it's just it's cool if you're a New York Mets fan to see his progression came in the league as just a guy who can hit home runs and he struck out a ton and you thought you were going to put up with that. But 
he's really molded himself into a guy who just has a really nice all-around approach at the plate, which I think gives him a higher floor than a lot of people would have suggested maybe maybe three years ago. So I like Alonzo as a one-off as well. I, I just have a hard time wrapping my head around any type of stack with the New York Mets, especially against Nola. But just as a whole, like the New York Mets just don't feel like they ever fire on all cylinders. They don't feel like a team that you could put four or five in the line in, in a lineup and and end up with some good results. It feels like Alonzo's driving a lot of the traffic or Lindor or like like McNeil. Like one or two guys has a big day that gets that gets them enough runs to put them in a position to win. But I just I know Alvarez has been swinging the bat well, Alonzo, like you said, but just it's I, I can't justify three or four of those guys in in any DFS lineup. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Ray have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Ray is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Ray's offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by the loss and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked when you're your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. With Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. To date, they have donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com, use code RotoGrinders for 50% off two pairs or more of Polaroid sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. We got Minnesota at Houston, a game that's really interesting on this slate. One of the lowest totals at eight. Astros, a 178 favorite. We got Brown and Varlin facing off against each other. Um, Louis Varlin. He's decent, man. He he really is. I'm really interested to see how this kid plays out um, over the next, you know, two or three years. Very young. I think he's like 24, 25. Very active fastball. Very good command. Top 100 pe- prospect in all baseball. That above average slider. Generates swinging strikes at every level so far. Um, he struggled last year in the majors. In I think he started four or five games, but went back to AAA to start the year. Pitched great. Went you know and major league baseball this year he's pitched good are we taking shots on louis varlin against houston or is this offense just too good uh to play a guy against them no i think absolutely i i think i I like louis varlin a lot in this spot i think i'm probably gonna end up on the twins money line in some capacity whether it's a first three first five or a full game tomorrow varlin's gonna make mistakes i I mean he's, he's given up a decent amount of hard contact this year you can go look at his savant uh six percentile and barrel rate 25th percentile in hard hit percentage, 21st percentile average exit velocity. When he misses, he tends to miss in the middle third of the plate, which is obviously problematic, but he's going to put pressure on on teams to to make solid contact against him. And I know Houston's been playing better baseball as of late. I just I, I still think this the bottom of the order is relatively weak for Houston. And I think, again, you, we've talked about the slate doesn't have a, a ton of premier pitching. I would much rather have Louis Varlin at 8,800 in this spot than I would Hunter Brown at almost 11,000. I think Hunter Brown is overpriced, like you said, based off his recent matchups. And as as much as Minnesota has been struggling, I just feel like 
there's a lot of reasons to expect negative regression from Hunter Brown. And I think there's opportunities for Louis Varland to, to put together a pretty nice performance in this one, or at least bail himself out with a decent number of strikeouts. So at 8,800, I, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty solid play. Minnesota does have the second highest strikeout rate in baseball against Ryan pitching. They just keep striking out. So, I mean, I, I think Brown, I prefer him over Varlin. I do like Varlin though. I think, like I said, I'm very, I'm very like excited to see like how this kid kind of shapes up over the next few years, because again, very active fastball, very good slider above average command. And I, I mean, that is one thing like people overlook like when you have a guy with good command, it's huge. Um, yeah, I know you mentioned a lot of first pitch strike stuff. 65.7% of the time, this guy gets ahead of counts. Um, so that's huge. That is a massive number. Or 50, 57.3%. Um, I was reading the wrong one. But still, very high number. That's that's above average. Um, good stuff. Other side of this game. Again, um, Minnesota is a team that is striking out at such a high clip right now. They're they're catching Oakland. They're striking out so much. <laughs> Obviously, I mean, not not perfect matchup. Um, Buxton, Correa, Gallo. You love to see Gallo in the lineup because you're like, he's either going to home run or he's going to strike out. I mean, his strikeout rate is just so high. They've been hitting Julian second. This dude has a 35% K rate as well. Buxton's huge strikeout rate. Correa, big strikeouts. Kirloff, big strikeouts. Uh, just... I mean, we look at this kid's stuff, um, almost a 12% swinging strike rate, 28% case. He's overpriced. I'm not going to argue. Um, that's that's the one downside to Hunter Brown today. But we don't have another like guy that is capable of striking out 10-plus guys on the slate. So, I mean, he's he's default SP1 for me today. Um, and, like, I love going against the grain. I'll play, <laughs> I'll play some stuff where it's against the grain, but – I'm not going to fade a guy that generates ground balls and strikeouts um, against a team that's struggling with strikeouts right now. Yeah, it's that that's the one part that you can't argue against. You mentioned that Minnesota's catching up to Oakland. They Minnesota's 30th in strikeout percentage against right-handed pitching during the month of May, Oakland 29th. So they they are definitely doing their best to to make up some ground. Hunter Brownie like 10 strikeouts, 9 strikeouts, 8 strikeouts going backwards this last three starts. Facing a team that's striking out more than any team in baseball against right-handed pitching, I'm not. I, I can't dispute that, right? Like Hunter Brown should be a lock for for six plus strikeouts, probably seven strikeouts tomorrow. So, yeah, I like I, I get the appeal. I just think you're probably gonna have a lot of people looking at this tomorrow, thinking it got to be Hunter Brown, right? Like have to have Hunter Brown in the lineup. So if you want to take that approach and then try to be different uh, somewhere else down your roster, I think that makes sense, but. I, I think Louis Varland has a pretty nice performance tomorrow. I think Hunter Brown, he can make mistakes. Like Minnesota is capable of hitting the ball hard if you make mistakes. It's just it's a matter of you know how how dialed in is Hunter Brown going to be. Personally, I wouldn't I would not be surprised if he does not finish six innings tomorrow. I know he's seven innings, six innings his last two starts, but I would not be surprised to see one of these like Hunter Brown five innings inefficient type of games tomorrow. Oh, I wouldn't be shocked either. I mean, we at the at the end of the day, we got to remember he's still very young. Yeah. Um, started a little bit last year. I think he started a couple games, worked a little bit out of the bullpen last year. But I mean, realistically, if you take away his two starts last year, he has ten major league starts this year. Um, and I mean, we have to remember that he's still young. But I mean, he's a top fifty prospect in baseball. He has one of the best curveballs in baseball right now. Um, I don't think anyone can really argue that. And he has an electric fastball. And I mean, that's the that's the recipe for strikeouts. Um, 
his issue is sometimes he'll get wild, like you mentioned. Um, against the Giants earlier this year, I think he walked five. Detroit, his first start this year, uh, walked three or four, really struggled in that game. Minnesota earlier this year, he absolutely dominated them. Um, so, I mean, the upside is there. Again, like, it, it's it's apples and oranges today. Um, he's just in a great spot. And, I mean, you could realistically, you could play Varlin and Brown on the same team together today on DraftKings if you wanted to, because I think this is going to be one of the lower scoring games on the slate. Yeah, All right, so I agree. I agree. Probably on the under, probably on the twins for me, but I I, th- I think you're right. I think we're, we're talking along the same vein here. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those games. You're just like refreshing sports books and hoping that like the <laughs> over gets bet to like, it gets bet to like eight and a half and then you can just be like, all right, I feel so much better now. Um, but absolutely. All right, Minnesota Bats, uh, anything standing out to you here against Brown? No, I, I I mean, I think you go big or you go home, right? Like, I mean, you want Byron Buxton. You, you want somebody that's going to be able to put the ball over the fence if if they do get a mistake pitch, and I think Buxton is is definitely the – fits that mold uh, of what you would be looking for. But I think you, you should be looking at hitters everywhere else on the slate. I think this is the one game where you're probably looking at a pitcher's duel. Uh I think if it's not a pitcher's duel, it's probably going to be one or two mistakes out over the middle of the plate that end up leading to a few runs. So I, I think you're just you're looking for a, a, what is it? What's the expression? A needle in a haystack it, right here, trying to like pick the hitter that's going to capitalize on a mistake. I, I, I think you take the pitchers here. You you look for hitters elsewhere against guys like Luke Weaver, Alec Manoa, Carrasco, Tehran. Uh, I think I think that would be my approach. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely have interest in like a hedge stack. Like uh, if I'm going to play Brown as much as I want to play Brown, um, I definitely have interest in a hedge stack. They got Royce Lewis back, um, guy that tore his ACL last year. Um, so he's back with the team now. He's going to be a good addition to this team. Um, grades out as an above average hitter. So yeah, I mean, it would be a hedge stack for me. Yeah, Lewis is only twenty eight hundred too. So yeah, that's always nice. Um, on the Houston side, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Um, we could see Varlin maybe struggle a little bit in this spot, but I think like the one thing you always have to remember about Houston is they're just patient. They walk at a very high clip. They're very they have good at bats. It feels like every time they're on at the plate. Um, what are your thoughts here? Uh, like people, I like people disagree with me and i i 100 understand where they're coming from because houston has such a long track record i just feel like this is fundamentally a different lineup than it has been in recent seasons and they've been better as of late so i'm sort of in a wait and see approach but i just i think this lineup is exploitable like i, I still think you have jordan alvarez you have kyle tucker uh but i think i think there's a lot of opportunity uh for on the pitching side here to to exploit houston i think if you're going with anyone it, it's alvarez it, it's a guy who's gonna who does not miss mistake pitches. He puts mistake pitches into the third deck of whatever venue he, he happens to be playing in that night. So I I know he's at forty four hundred, but I think this is a guy who has legitimate two home run potential in a spot like this against a guy who has a tendency to miss in the middle third of the plate. Uh, that would be my guy for, for Houston in this spot. All right, we got New York at Seattle, the lowest total on the slate here, seven and a half. Um, Mariners, a 148 favorite. Schmidt and Kirby facing off against each other. Uh, any interest here in Clark Schmidt? 
No, I I think the the preseason reports of him developing a cutter and and refining his his pitch makes his mechanics a little bit I think have been wildly overblown. There's been nothing that has shown up on any tape or really in any game results that that have proven otherwise. He gave up seven runs a couple starts ago to the Rays, who I know obviously are having a fantastic season, but uh, he's just been he's been super volatile. And if you go look at some of the deeper the deeper metrics here, like he just seems scared to attack certain lineups. And I, I know he doesn't have the the toughest matchup in the world against the Seattle Mariners, but they've been swinging the bats better. Uh, Julio Rodriguez hit a ball out on on Monday night. So I, it's just not a spot that I like for for Schmidt really whatsoever here. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm not a huge fan of Schmidt in general. Um, I want to see him work out, and as a Red Sox fan, I don't want to see him work out. I will say this, right? At the end of the day, he's been above average against right-handed pitching. If Seattle rolls out that very right-handed heavy lineup, I think you take shots on Schmidt. Um, if they roll out a left-handed lineup, um, I think I'm out. Like, I, I want to see what the lineup looks like because, I mean – they can go very right-handed heavy. They can get four or five lefties in there. So Schmidt's been good against righties. You just can't get a left-handed hitter out. Um, so uh, they, 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 I was just going to say against, against Herman uh, to begin the series they had, they had uh, Crawford, uh, Kelnick and Riley and Tremel. So they have four lefties in the lineup, but it'll be, I think they'd be shooting themselves in the foot. I completely agree. Like if you get six, six or seven righties in there, then, it's a totally different conversation. It's just if you see four lefties, two of them are going to find a way to do some damage against Schmidt, and it's going to derail the whole night. George Kirby on the other side of this game, kind of the opposite pitcher that we like to take against the Yankees. We really want like overpowering strikeout guys against the Yankees. He's not that type of pitcher. They do strike out a lot. They have a ton of power. I will say this. Rizzo's banged up. Um, Bader, we know he's back on the um, – 10-day IL with a hamstring issue. Um, Stanton, I mean, getting closer to being back, uh, like, but still not back. So if Rizzo is out of the lineup continuing to deal with, like, this neck issues, um, I mean, I don't hate the idea of taking Kirby. You're really just kind of pitching around Judge and maybe Bowers. Um, there's a lot of strikeouts here where he could get a little boost to strikeouts. He's a good pitcher. He's just not a huge strikeout guy. I don't hate Kirby here, depending on the lineup. I'm with you. I, I think it's a lineup-dependent thing. Kind of miraculously, this month, the Yankees have actually avoided strikeouts at a relatively high clip. Some of that has been matchup-dependent. They've still been lit up by guys like Hunter Green and, and, and some of the better strikeout pitchers they've seen. But uh, they, they had some success against Logan Gilbert on, on Tuesday night. Uh, they're fifth fewest strikeouts against right-handed pitching during the month of May. So I, I think there's a little bit of validity, validity to that. But again, lineup dependent, right? It's the, the, the Yankees have a lot more flexibility than a lot of teams in terms of who's going to be in there on a nightly basis. So it might be a high-contact lineup one night. We might see certain guys get off days or certain guys get put into the lineup tomorrow. That could take Kirby from being a pass in my book to potentially being someone that you feel like you absolutely have to start. All right, let's talk bats here. Um, Yankees in Seattle getting a ballpark downgrade. Um, another reason that I don't hate Kirby, but I mean, obviously, if you want to pay up for Aaron Judge, no one's ever going to tell you no. Um, 17 home runs on the season. A guy that gets on base, it seems like every single game. So uh, his upside is definitely two home run games, you know, three home run games, his ceiling. 
I wouldn't even put him past a four home run game, but um, I mean, I don't hate judge against a low strikeout pitcher in Kirby. I just, it's really hard for me to stack the Yankees right now. The lineup's just not the best lineup in the world. Yeah. I really, it's judge for me. If you like judge, I, I, I wouldn't dig too deep into anyone else in this spot, especially against Kirby. Yeah. And then, I mean, on the Seattle side, the lefties, I think are fine. Um, again, like Schmidt has really excelled against right-handed hitters this season, 29% K's, uh, Woba under 300 ISO under 160 gives up hard contact, but it just doesn't get blown up by lefties. So, I don't or righties. I don't mind the lefties. I don't ever mind playing Julio Rodriguez. But overall, I mean, this might be a spot that Schmidt kind of cracks into my like lineup builds because of the, the lineup um, is just not a great lineup for him or for facing him. Yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, I guess we'll see how the lineup shakes out. I think the the one guy that I would absolutely take a, a really long look at tomorrow is JP Crawford. Uh, you mentioned Schmidt struggles against left-handed batters, 210 whip, 354 opponent batting average, which is just ridiculous to even say out loud. But Crawford quietly has had some decent success against right-handed pitching so far this year, 851 OPS. He's walked more than he struck out so far. Uh, was one of those guys who went to driveline. Driveline's been helping him hit the baseball with, with, with more authority when he has been making contact. So I, I think that's a guy who could probably get you a couple of total bases tomorrow. Could he run into one? I don't know. It's, it's always tough in Seattle, like you mentioned with the ballpark, but I think it's a guy who's a, a patient approach, could find his way on base, uh, maybe steals a base, potentially scores a run uh, if somebody gets him in. So he's, he's been bad at the top of the order against right-handed pitching a decent amount. I think at 2,900, that that's a it's a decent play, especially when you look at some of the more expensive shortstops on the slate, like Bichette at 3,800, Tatis at 3,700, Lindor 3,500. I think that's a decent value to get Crawford in the leadoff spot against Schmidt if that ends up being the case. Kelnick has slowed down a little bit um, since the start of the season, but he's still a good hitter, man. Um, really kind of exploded onto the scene this year after a lot of people kind of talked bad about him again. Um, really hyped to talk bad about to really hyped again. I mean, it's just, it's interesting when that kind of stuff happens, but it's always fun too. All yeah, right, Colorado. Oh. No, I was just gonna say, man. It's like it's it's always fun to jump on the the prospect who's succeeding, but then it, it it seems like it's even more fun for people in that uh that that downturn to be like, I told you he sucked type of thing. So good fastball hitter though. I think I think it's a decent look tomorrow. We have a fun baseball game here in Arizona. It's ten total. Diamondbacks a one seventy eight favorite. Um, is what it sounds like. We got Tommy Henry starting. We'll see how DP pitches into this game. Um, I assume we'll see a normal kind of workload for him. And then the Nelson Lamette coming back. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> like, hey, we are this bad that we don't have anybody in our farm system that we have to go out and uh, pitch Lamette. I don't think he's going to pitch too deep. He did throw 63 pitches in a rehab start. So maybe 75 pitches here. Uh, maybe 50 because he doesn't make it out of the first inning. But, hey, um, do you have any interest in Lamette going up against Arizona? No. I. <laughs> My job I is know. just to ask. I mean, I <laughs> you, you can easily say no. Um, Chief Justice is the king of a very fast no, and <laughs> this is definitely one of those spots where you can, you can just say no. Um, Lamette is terrible. 
Yeah, just just a, a hard and fast no. I, I gotta I gotta take a page from Chief. I, I know he's a lot more decisive with his decision making, so I'm, I'll I'll work on that for the next time we, we get on this show. Yeah, walk rate almost as high as the strikeout rate. Um, guy that gives up power to both sides of the plate. I mean, Arizona is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, stack on the entire slate today. No interest in Lamette. Um, the one thing like you have to remember too is this is a bullpen that you can definitely target. Colorado, just in general, they're really close to a bottom five bullpen. So we'll talk about the bats in a minute. Um, Henry, I mean, he came in and pitched relief, um, was it four or five days ago? Uh, and then now he's back to starting. He started a few games here recently. I don't know what to do, um, but I don't think I want to play him. I like, like, if you just want to full on punt, he would, I think he'd be the guy that you'd full on punt with. Um, just because I mean, this lineup's not the best lineup in the world right now. Henry's not the best pitcher by any means. Um, but I mean, outside of Gritchick and Chris Bryant, you're really not too concerned with the lineup overall. Ballpark kind of stinks. Um, I think if you're just gonna say, hey, I'm gonna play an SP2 and I'm just gonna full on punt, um, he's the guy you would take a shot on and just stack bats and hope it works out. But I'm not probably doing that. I, I'm just saying if you were, he'd probably be the guy to do it with. Yeah, it's just I mean, this is a this is a pass for me overall. I think I think if you're gonna do anything here, it's just it, it's the bats. But it, but again, it's it's tough to really know what you're gonna get into here because like you said, he he, he appeared on the 27th. So how, like how deep in this game is he gonna go? Lefties have had a lot of success against him so far. 344 batting average. Uh, the 754 FIP is obviously very ugly literally no swings and misses 5.6 K percentage against left-handed batters this year. So I think you can find somebody that you want to talk yourself into, but I, I just, I think there's better options. A lot of other places on the slate, even if you're just looking at the main slate, the, 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 the night games here, I, I think there's a lot better opportunities to, to, to not drive yourself crazy trying to, to just find someone for the sake of finding someone. So I will say like Henry's the guy that they've used um, when they have like a stretch where they need like a, a fifth or sixth starter type of guy. Um, so, I mean, it was probably just a bullpen day for him and he came out and he threw one inning, I think. Um, he threw like 10 one pitches. Third. Yeah. Yeah. He's five batters. So, yeah. I mean, so it, I think he's good to go. I think he throws, if he's pitching well, 85 plus pitches here. If he's struggling, it probably in the 70s, um, kind of his MO that we've seen so far. But he's not a great pitcher. I mean, low strikeouts, high walks. I will say his swinging strike rate is a lot better than his strikeout rate. He has some strikeouts in there. He just doesn't finish guys off. He doesn't have a finished pitch. I mean, that's been a thing for him um, ever since he was recruited. He really kind of just needs to develop a finished pitch. Um, he would be so much better if he had that like out pitch. I said finished pitch. I meant out pitch. Like if he had that out pitch, I think he'd be a guy that we'd see, you know, really kind of pitch better. Um, he just needs an out pitch. All right, let's talk bats here. Uh, anything stand out to you for the Rockies? No, again, I, th I think just if, if you went away for a lineup and you see lefties against Henry, I think it's, I think it's a decent bet, uh, especially if you get someone cheap, but, I just I, I think there's so there's so many other hittable pitchers on the slate. I, I would I would be looking elsewhere. Yeah, I mean Crone out of the lineup still on the IL, Blackman on the bereavement list. Um Gritchick as a one-off. I, I don't hate Gritchick. He's thirty nine hundred on DraftKings. He's a guy that 
throughout his career has always had power against left-handed pitching. So I don't mind maybe taking some shots on Grichik. Um Chris Bryant on DraftKings is down to 4,400. I think the price tag is nice for him. Good ballpark. Lefty-righty matchup. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Arizona going to the other side of this game. Colorado, like I said, very close to a bottom five bullpen. They're borderline. I love the stack. I mean, Arizona is just a team that I'm just going to five-man stack on DraftKings, four-man stack on FanDuel. Love this spot for um, Arizona today. Good stuff. Yeah. Nothing to add. You're like, yeah, I'm with you. We're, we're yeah, playing Arizona. Just, it, it, it's good logic. It makes sense. Like, I, you know, Chief's good at the the hard no. I'm good at the the hard. All right. Like that. That sounds great. Let's just lock it in. All right. Let's play the morning grind game, and then we'll get out of here using DraftKings pricing and scoring. As always, under eight thousand. Get a. <laughs> Under 8,000 to get six or more strikeouts. Um, I mean, nobody, but hey, go ahead. Who do you got? Actually, I, I'm going to defer to you real quick. I had FanDuel open, so you go ahead real quick. Oh, see, up. this is a bad defer. <laughs> bad defer for you. Um, I'm going to take Clark Schmidt because he's the only option to get uh, six or more strikeouts today, especially if that lineup is right-handed heavy. Um, Clark Schmidt, yeah. Thank you for deferring. I always get, I always have to choose somebody else, but um, I like going first. That's fun. I should go first more often. Eight under eight K to get six Ks. So Carrasco's not getting there. We're not getting there with Henry or, or Lamette. Uh, man, it's I, I. I guess I have to go with Tehran. Like, see, the defer was terrible here. It was. Um, this is what I get. This is what I get for not having the tab open. I'm sitting here on Fanduel, and then I, I, I end up with an L because there's absolutely no chance that Tehran's getting eight, uh, six strikeouts tomorrow either. So, I, but I'll, I'll roll the dice. Maybe Tehran has somehow another great start tomorrow. Surprises everybody. <laughs> that's that's my guy. That's that's my that's my other pick because I can't pick Schmidt. Over 8K to score under 15. Who's your bust today? I think it's Paxton. I think Paxton gets hit around. All right. Um, and um, I, I guess Varlin against the patient Astros, even though I, I don't mind taking some shots on them. Over 4,000 to hit a home run today. Who do you got going yard? I have Alvar- Jordan Alvarez going yard. I like it. Um, I'm going to go Gary L from Arizona. Uh, this is a guy that has smashed right-handed pitching this season. Lamette's terrible. Uh, give me Gary L at 4,400. One of my favorite plays on the entire slate. Under 4K to get two hits. Who's the cheap bat that you like today? Under 4K to get two hits. I'll go with, I'll go with Jeff McNeil. I like that one. Um, trying to pick. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my my hot bat right now. Give me Owen Miller for Milwaukee. Um, really like him against Miller. Might walk three times though. That's the only downside. Stack to score six or more runs today. Who's getting six today? Milwaukee. Like it. I'll go Arizona. Nick, any final thoughts before we get out of here? No man, I just I, I I think the number one thing like I I'm I'm more in the 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 sports book you know like 
straight betting space and I, I in the DFS stuff. I dabble in the DFS, but I, I think that the way I evaluate pitchers, the number one thing I look for is just first pitch strike percentage. I think there's a reason you look at since the early 2000s, teams have gotten much, much better at it. I think a lot of it is just focused. Got, pitchers understand getting ahead in the count gives them better opportunity to succeed. The best teams in baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays, have made it a personal goal to, to break the MLB record for first pitch strike percentage for a season. So I think when you're looking at pitchers, especially on a slate like this, where you you might have to go bottom of the barrel and take a shot at one of these cheaper guys, like guys who get ahead in the count, I think that give themselves the best opportunity to to maybe have a surprise day here and there, even if they don't have the best stuff. So that that's my my food for thought that I'll leave everybody with. All right. That's going to wrap it up here for Wednesday. Appreciate Keith hosting the last two days. Um, thank you, Keith. You're the man. We'll be back tomorrow talking some more baseball. Everyone have a fantastic May 31st. We'll see you again tomorrow. Good luck, everyone.